what God wanted for tonight. Um, I feel like he just kind of brought me to a, a place where uh, there's kind of two ideas that are they're different, but they're connected, but they're different. Um, and that we need to just kind of spend some time on each one rather than try to you know put them together or whatever. So it'll be a little bit different. Let's just kind of roll with the punches and stuff. Um, Luke chapter 7, verse 36. It begins a story um, that's one of my favorites, and I know I've talked about it before, and um, I know I have a tendency to repeat myself, and I'm aware, and uh, I'm okay with it. Um, we're going to talk about worship a little bit. Um, worship is one of those words that in the past 10 years has uh, got to be really like trendy and then got to be really confusing and has kind of taken on uh, the understanding of when you say worship, you mean the music part of uh, church service. Um, and, and that's not at all what it is. And I think that this story where Jesus' feet, or, or Jesus gets his feet anointed by this uh, woman, man, this is feeding back pretty bad, so you might want to fool with it. Um, this story where Jesus' feet, where Jesus has his feet anointed by the sinful woman, um, this is one of, one of the, I think, the best pictures of what worship is about in the Bible. It has no music involved. Um, there's, there's just a lot more to it than that. So let's, let's read this story together. It says, Now one of the Pharisees invited Jesus to have dinner with him. And so he went to the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. And when a woman who had lived a sinful life in that town learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house. She brought an alabaster jar of perfume, and as she stood behind him at his feet, weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears. And she wiped them with her hair, kissed them, and poured perfume on them. When the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, If this man were a prophet, he would know who is touching him and what kind of woman she is, that she is a sinner. Jesus answered him, Simon, I have something to tell you. And he said, tell me. Two men owed money to a certain money lender. One owed him 500 denarii and the other 50, but neither of them had the money to pay him back. And so he canceled the debts of both. Now, which of them will love him more? Simon said, I suppose the one who had the bigger debt canceled. He said, you've judged correctly. So he turned to the woman and said to Simon, do you see this woman? I came into your house. You did not give me any water for my feet, but she wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You did not give me a kiss, but this woman, from the time I entered, has not stopped kissing my feet. You did not put oil on my head, but she's poured perfume on my feet. Therefore, I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven, for she loved much. But he who has been forgiven little loves little. Jesus said to her, your sins are forgiven. The other guests began to say among themselves, who is this who even forgives sins? Jesus said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Um, it's a, a beautiful story, and just one, every time you read it, I mean, you just, you got to love Jesus, you know? Because he just, like, he has the best way of, like, putting people in their place. And he apparently read the guy's mind, which is a really cool trick. Um, because the guy just thought it, and he was like, starts telling this story. That's pretty awesome. And, um, you know, it's just one of those stories where you're like, man, that's how I want to respond to just people in general, you know. Um, and so th 
what, what does it have to do with, with worship? Well, see, worship is, um, is simply a, a response to God. And that's kind of been, you know, the, the worship definition kind of beaten into the ground. It's our response to God. But, I mean, it's absolutely true, you know. Here, here she is. She hears that Jesus is going to be there, and so she shows up. And in his presence, she's overcome with emotion. And, I mean, just, I mean, he was, he was Jesus. So there's something about it being just him. And then it's almost, I don't, I doubt she really planned, like, I'm going to go cry at Jesus' feet. I mean, something about him and being in his presence. But for some reason, I mean, there was a reason why she came. I mean, she, she had to have either had an encounter with him before, or she has maybe heard of the great things about him, or maybe saw some things with her own eyes. Uh, some scholars think that this is the woman at the well. Something happened outside of that room that when she heard that he was going to be there, she wanted to show up. And the way that, the, that they were sitting implies that it was kind of like a banquet. Um, they, would, they would have been sitting down. It would have been like a dinner where nobody else came. But the fact that they were reclining, uh, you kind of like, like there was like a, like a table and you kind of leaned on the table and your feet were kind of kicked back behind you. And apparently, uh, I, got, I got all these books a couple weeks ago. Like 600 books. They're awesome. So I was like, I'm going to use my books. And, uh, and they're awesome. I love them. Um, and so uh, apparently when, whenever it was a banquet and they sat that way, um, it, you didn't have to be invited in order to show up. And a lot of times they would let, you know, these religious types would open up their homes to the poor and stuff. And the poor could hang around the house and eat what was left. But anybody who wasn't invited, you didn't sit at the table. You were supposed to, like, kind of hang out on the side of the room, just kind of, like, you could listen to what was going on, but you weren't, like, an active participant or anything. So she kind of showed up, kind of invited herself. And it's almost like she's like, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to miss this op- an opportunity to be at a banquet with Jesus. So we see this response. She sees the rudeness of his hosts. Didn't greet him with a kiss. Didn't, you know, they walked around in sandals or most of the time barefoot. So their feet were all nasty. And so usually when you got to somebody's house, their servants would wash their feet. That didn't happen for him. She's like, oh, I'm, I'm, that was, was her response. Was, I'm gonna, I see a need of Jesus. I'm going to meet it. And here she is. She's overcome with emotion because of who he is and, and what he has done. And she is in his presence. And just this, the, the gratitude, I mean, she's just overcome with it to the point where she's probably... Like, that would be kind of embarrassing for most people, you know. And so and when you start thinking about responding to, to who God is, uh, just that alone, but also, like, what he has done for us, you know. Here we are in, on this side of, of the cross. I mean, then the, the fact that because of what he's done, we have, like, him living inside of us. We have access to him. That his presence is with us all the time. It's not just at a, this corporate worship experience time or whatever. When we really stop to, to think about who he is, what he's done, where we are, being in his presence, it's really, it, it kind of takes you back a little bit. And that's what we respond to. That's what corporate worship, that's what makes it so cool is, is this 
realization of, of what's going on. That's also why, like, worship is not necessarily just a corporate thing, you know. You start thinking about who he is and what he's done and his presence is with you, and your worship is your response to that. So that might be, like, you walking, um, you going to work, you just being confident in who you are in Christ, you know. Might be when you, when you face this, you, just, you get one of those phone calls and your whole world just gets rocked. The fact that you trust in him as your rock, as your salvation, just it's like that response, that's worship. Being prayerful about something, that's worship. I mean, anytime we respond to who he is, what he's done, the fact he's with us, anytime we respond, no matter what it looks like, that's worship. For her, it was tears. It was action. For you, it may be a matter of the heart. It may be trust. You know? Maybe spending time with him. It may be um, helping somebody who's in need. Maybe giving that homeless guy something to eat. I mean, it, there's just no telling. It could vary a lot. So there's a personal response, but then our corporate time together is really kind of amazing when you think about it, that, that here are all these people who have the exact same things to celebrate. Same God, he's done the same thing for all of us, and his presence is here in this place. And so a whole bunch of people gather together with the same exact things to celebrate. It's, it's, it's amazing. You know, we started doing the ring as a college worship service in 1998. And um, there just came a point when, when we were like, you know what, it's, it seems like... Just uh, incredible that God's doing this stuff, and we had no idea what was going to happen. And like every Sunday, there was just weird like anticipation, you know, just like, man, we're gonna we're gonna be in the presence of the Holy One tonight. Wonder what He's gonna do. So somebody had the idea, they're like, you know what? Maybe we should have like a designated time of prayer before we like start things on a Sunday night. Yeah, that sounds really good. Like, all right, so we blocked off the time. We said, we'll try it this Sunday. Tried it, it was amazing. Of course, we had to name it something. Because you have to name everything. We said, well, we'll just call it 645 prayer. That's when we were starting it, because we used to start at 730. We'll just call it that, and we'll, you know, we'll come up with our logo and stuff later. But what happened is that time, uh, it... It became a time where two things happened. One, we prayed for everything that was going to happen in the room. It was a time of preparing the room, whether it's the gym or it was in here. A time of preparing the place, of praying for those who were coming, of just whatever. But it was also like a very personal time for those involved. To be able to, to focus in on the Lord, to focus in on, on um, where he had them, what he wanted. Like I, It was just, just a time where you just zeroed in. And um, at the end of prayer, like we just said, all right, we'll just start, we'll start playing music, and you know that's how you know it'll be over. And it was the weirdest thing because we would come out of prayer like so amped up about what was about to happen, it was just ridiculous. And so when we started, man, we were we were all over it from the beginning. And so we've we've continued that that prayer time, and now we we moved it up an hour because we you know whatever. And so it's 5:45, and anybody can come. It's we do everything before then, and it's just nothing but quiet. And um, But here's the, the thing. Um, there's something about spending time 
reflecting on who he is and what he's done and all those things that is important because we need something to respond to. And I know that, that the times when, when that's where I am during that prayer time, um, that I start the ring very differently. And then those weeks when I'm like running around like just crazy and I've like put stuff off too long or things are going wrong and I, I don't get it when it starts, it's like it takes me like, like forever to get to where I can just kind of focus on him. I think corporately sometimes that's why like the middle to end of a worship service seems to be like just more like you're just connecting more with God and, and you're just there more than the beginning, you know, when it's like you're half like high-fiving people and like, you know, I can't believe the saints lost. They're so terrible, you know, and like all that kind of stuff is going on. It kind of takes you a while and a while and a while. And um, so one, that's not like a plug for 545 prayer, but it's it's something that uh, I would love to see uh, be packed out for sure. Um, but as far as tonight, here's here's what, what we're gonna do. Um, we're gonna we're gonna spend some time uh, just really like thinking about him and reflecting on those things, so that we can respond. Does that make sense? Um, we're basically just gonna take the time to do that tonight and kind of ease into it a little bit more maybe than we normally do. And so um, what we did on the, on the back of the bulletin, um, there should be uh, Ephesians 2 in there. Maybe there's another passage of Scripture that you're, like, just really into or whatever. Um, but we're just going to spend some time and uh, just letting you just, just read God's Word, getting you to where maybe you're, just, you're thinking about Him, His character, His nature, His power, uh, the things He has done, the significance of the cross, how that um, has connected us to Him, and his presence in your life, in the circumstances that are going on with you, his presence in this room. And then when we, we begin to sing, that is our corporate response to the places where, where he has brought our hearts. So um, this is a big space, and if you want to move somewhere and get by yourself or whatever, that's totally cool. Um, and uh, so, yeah, that's what we're going to do for a little while. And then I'm going to talk a little bit more, and then we'll kind of talk about some other stuff, okay? So this is just a time to zero in on him. And we, we begin to sing. That is our response. And... Uh, We'll just see where it goes. Let me uh, let me pray for us, and then we'll um, yeah, we'll do it. God, will will you just help us tonight? God, will, will you just uh, infuse uh, the scriptures, make them come alive to us? God, will you just heighten our awareness of your presence with us? God, will you show us the, the ways that you are involved in our lives? God, will you just bring our minds and our hearts to a place where we are so focused on you, God, that the responding is easy? Because when we begin to, to look at, at who you are and the things that you have done, our hearts cannot help but um, but rejoice. So God, just just guide us in this time. We ask you this in Jesus' name, Amen. Value. It's not to do with worth. Um, the very word worship comes from the word worship. Maybe someone in the South decided to you know, drop out letters because we like to do that. But worship 
showing how much something is worth. Shows what, what we value, how much we treasure things or people. This woman um, had a lot, uh, there are a lot of variables in this story that show us how valuable Jesus was to her. This man that she really you know, didn't know, it's not like they were like buddies, um, held a very important place in her heart. Um, it talks about, uh, obviously, that she brought a, an alabaster jar of perfume. Um, this was not, you know, this was not uh, imposter fragrances kind of stuff that you get at Walgreens. Um, that was really cheap. A perfume was, was precious in those days. It, wasn't, uh, it cost a lot of money. And it was not something that you uh, rubbed on people's feet. <laughs> it just wasn't. And so we see that, that she valued Jesus more than the, whatever this perfume was worth to her. Um, in those days, uh, women were, who were married would have their heads covered. And uh, it was kind of, according to one of those books again, um, if you saw a woman's hair, she was considered to be promiscuous. And uh, so the fact that, that she was wiping the tears away off of his feet with her hair um, meant that she was in pretty much in a very vulnerable spot socially, um, especially being in a Pharisee's house, the most judgmental and high religious you know, people at the time. Um, but he was, she valued him more than that more than whatever they were going to think, more than the just inappropriateness of the situation where you see that the host didn't take care of the guest, so you step in, you know, that was not appropriate. Um, she, according to the text, uh, it says that she, um, uh, where is it? she lived a sinful lifestyle in the town. Um, she probably knew she had a reputation. But it wasn't about what those other people thought. You know, it wasn't about um, that kind of stuff. You know, there was, Jesus was more valuable to her uh, than, than that. There's a lot at risk. Um, and so I was, was thinking, every, you know, the, thinking about the story, like I wonder, like I, I really don't think that she like sat down and uh, like was like, okay, do I value Jesus more than this perfume? Yes. Do I value Jesus more than uh, the opinions of these Pharisees? Yes. Do I value Jesus more than the uh, social appropriateness of the situation? Yes. I don't, I don't think that it was that like cognitive. I don't think that she was like weighted out. This is why. Because the things that we value, that we value them. You know, worth is worth. It's not one of those things where we, it's like as much intentional. Um, we talked about response and how it's just, it's, it's natural, you know. Romans 12, 1 says, in, in view of God's mercy, offer your body as a living sacrifice. This is your spiritual act of worship. Some translations say this is your reasonable act of worship. And I like the word reasonable, and this may not be what it means, but when I see reasonable, it's almost like it's the only thing that makes sense. If you have God's mercy, the only thing that makes sense is to offer your life. See, worth is worth. It's a heart thing. 
Jesus was a treasure in her heart. There's a great deal of value placed on him, much more than all these other things. It just made sense to her probably. And then in view of all that he has to offer and him just being him and all that he has done, it just, like to her, it probably was just, it was the overflow of the heart. And this idea of, of worth or value is one that is, um, like, it's, it's a tricky one because where you and I live, not Baton Rouge, but, you know, today, it, there's, a, there's a battle for that, you know. We live and there's just this constant war for, uh, for that place of most value, you know, the things that are, are worth the most to us. And there's like all the cultural stuff, you know, and there's it's money, it's houses, it's, you know, whatever. There's, there's all that garbage, you know. That battle is definitely there. Um, there's a battle for, for people. Um, people wanting, like, you to value them more than, any, than anybody else. See, it's funny, like, um, to watch, like, dating couples go through that battle, you know. And you see these like seasoned veteran married couples where they wouldn't have it any other way than to have their spouse love Jesus more than they love them. Like, no, 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 I, you know, husbands be like, no, 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 I want her to be way more in love with Jesus than she is with me. There's a battle for that, you know. And we battle each other sometimes for it because we have that need to be loved and accepted and, you know, all that kind of stuff. And so sometimes we put the pressure on each other, you know, to have that place of value or worth. And of course, the flesh is at a battle for worth, you know. The flesh always wants you to value self more than you value any, you know, anything else. And so what's weird is that here's this, this battle going on and there's like this, this like sliding scale of uh, what, is the, what are the, the treasures of our lives and of our hearts, you know. And like, this is how it kind of worked for me. Um, Sundays, I'm definitely treasuring Christ because I have to get up here and preach. You know, there's a little bit of panic, you know, a little bit of like, you know, a little bit of that. People on the podcast are like, what do you do? What do you do? Sundays, Tuesdays, my community group, the freshman group. Got to be ready for that. I'm speaking on Wednesday nights to Parkview's youth group right now so they get a youth minister. I gotta be ready for that. But man, Thursday, Friday, yeah, that's me. That value scale shifts. And it slides all, all around. And the thing is, when I'm valuing anything other than Christ, everything in life suffers. And we've been talking about like some of the, the threats that the elders, you know, are concerned about and are praying about, and just the things that that um, pose a threat to our church, um, as far as like us being able to carry out what we think God's called us to do. Uh, just some things that like kind of creep up from time to time. Some things we're praying away, and um, this sliding scale of value is one that um, that I see as very dangerous because. Um, like I said, if it's any, if we're treasuring anything other than Christ, uh, we're gonna have we're gonna have some problems. 
You see, it, it plays into what the church is trying to do, like as far as like outside the walls. Um, when we when we stop treasuring treasuring Christ, and and, and He's not the, the most valuable thing to us, um, that impacts the the way that we live out in you know outside of these walls or outside your community group or whatever. You know, that's when you start seeing like your waiter or your waitress as a person who's paid like to obey your commands. And you stop seeing them as God sees them, those things in your own personality, you know. When we start, like, like, when you're, like, a jerk to the people at Walmart because they're just, like, slow and, like, aren't going fast enough and they're talking to the other cashiers and stuff like that. She's like, I'll show you. I'm going to be a jerk to you. Guess what? They're, people are jerks to them all day. Probably why they're talking to each other. To see when, the, when our values, you know, are, when, when we are not treasuring Christ and, and the, the worth is not there that it should be, we begin to, to see people not as he sees them, but just as uh, their job or their race or their socioeconomic background or whatever. So it impacts what we're trying to do in our city when we're not valuing him. And it impacts the way that, that what happens on the, on the inside of the church as well, because if we stop being gracious with each other, we start being like judgmental. We start being gossips and we start doing all that kind of stuff instead of this being a safe, gracious, loving place where like everybody has a chair at the table, you know. Um, because when we're not valuing Christ above all else, um, all those other things become very tempting. That backbiting, gossiping side of all of us, you know, whatever. And so that's a big threat to us outside of the walls and inside the walls when like in the, that's what's going on. Um, another way it shows up is that uh, we tend to, um, when we're not valuing Christ above all else, um, it shows up in the, our carrying out of the commitments that we have. Um, it shows up when um, it's like, okay, uh, corporate worship time, NFL, you know. When that sliding scale goes on, I mean, I, I, I was was uh, thinking about in Hebrews, it talks about, you know, we're surrounded by this great cloud of witnesses. And uh, sometimes I wonder what they what they think about the, like, the things that we, like, put ahead of the things that we know are important, you know. I wonder if they're up there, if, if Abraham's like, I mean, come on, a football game? You know, any of, of, of like, you know, the, the Jewish pilgrims who had to walk like up a mountain to get to the, you know, to worship three times a year or whatever, if they're like, uh, I mean, really, you've known about that test for how long? It's been on your syllabus. Come on. I used to have to walk up a mountain. You got Jesus in you all the time. Sometimes I wonder, I kind of wonder what heaven is like. Not the, the God part, but like the, us, the, the rest of them. You see, like, I don't want, I don't want people like to, to come to church, come to community group or whatever, because you're like, oh man, I said I would. You know? It's like a husband coming home from work at night because he said he would. <laughs> yep, old running ring, there it is. Said I would, so I guess I better go. No. I think it. Whoa. 
Pause for envy. All right. Um, no, I think, you know, I think God wants us to, like, to show up for stuff like this or community or just it's whatever. Because we know that this is a part of his plan for our lives and because we value what happens when we come together, you know. Like he wants us to invest in each other's lives, not because, like we said we would, and it's in our church covenant, so we have to, but because we're like, no, no, this is a valuable thing. God has given me the church because it's important. It's part of God's design. To know, like, no, 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 see, like, I don't want to miss those times because that's a valuable part of how my relationship with God is designed to work. And really, the, the biggest thing with value, that's, that's really what it comes down to. Yeah, okay, it, it can impact outside the walls, inside the walls. We can maybe flake out really easily with community group or meeting with people or coming to church or whatever. That's really, those are all like secondary issues. The, the main issue is that when we are treasuring anything that is other than Christ, I mean, it is a detriment to our relationship with God. When we do not value him above everything else, it puts us in a, in a, in a bad, bad place. Is, is suffocating. Jesus said, you know, I'm the vine, you're the branches. He talked about abiding and remaining and how that connection to the, to the, um, to the trunk is like so vital. And he's telling them, and he's telling us like, no, no, abide in me. Stay, stay there. Remain connected to me all the time. And we have to fight the things that, that threaten that. You know, as, our, as the things that are important, as the things we treasure, the things that we value, as things battle against that, we have to, we have to fight it. Turn to, um, turn to Philippians chapter 3. Read this, and then we're going to think about it a little bit. And Paul's talking about, like, all these credentials that people were trying to use to be justified. And he's like, look, I've got every credential that there is. And, it, and none of it may, means anything. And he says, verse 7. He says, but whatever was to my profit, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them rubbish that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God and is by faith. I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of sharing in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, and so somehow to attain to the resurrection from the dead. I like how, you, you know, you probably heard this before about the word rubbish. Can mean, it, it can mean a, a number of things. It can mean uh, dung, um, which is my favorite. Uh, it could mean uh, a rotting dead body, which is my second favorite. <laughs> and it can mean uh, like the, the dogs, uh, uh, the dogs, the food that you throw to dogs, like a rotten pile of food that the dogs would come in and eat from. Regardless of what it means, none of them are very appealing. He's saying, look, compared to all this other stuff, like that's like you want to compare them, knowing Christ, everything else is choose your definition. 
See, this woman that we read the story about, like she, Jesus has held this place of value in her life, and everything else came from that because she valued him above all else. She naturally responded in his presence to those things. And so, yeah, it's about response. It's about when we come together corporately and we're responding to what he's done and all that. But it's also about the worth that he has in your life and in my life every minute of every day. And in a world where that, there's a battle for that, um, we, we've got to fight it. I want to read the, the quote I read to you last week from John Piper. Um, and then we're going to pray. We're going to sing a little bit and we're going to go. The mark of faith is that I fight. I fight anything that dims my sight of Jesus as my glorious Savior. I fight anything that diminishes the fullness of the Lordship of Jesus in my life. I fight anything that threatens to replace Jesus as the supreme treasure of my life. Anything that stands between me and receiving Jesus, faith fights. Not with fists or knives or guns or bombs, but with the truth of Christ. Like he's saying, you know how we fight? We fight by focusing on the truth. And that's a part of what we've done tonight is respond to the truth of who God is and what he's done. But when it comes to the treasuring place in your life, only, only you know. Only you know that. So we're going to spend just a few more minutes. We're going to sing a little bit and then we're going to go. And just allow God to just minister to our hearts and say what he needs to say. So let's just stay open and uh, continue to just take it seriously like we have so far. Let's, let's pray. God, we love you, and um, when it comes down to it, in our uh, in our in our true selves, God, you are the absolute treasure of our lives. And God, we battle because um, there's a lot out there that's competing, and there are times when we let stupid things become more valuable than they should. And there are times when we let really important things become more valuable than they should. So, Father, we just need you. um, We just we want to value you, God, and you know that. And we just need you to show us how that works each of our lives because we're all so different. And so God, in the few minutes we have left, we just ask that you just have your way in our hearts and our minds. This is not a joke. It's not something we're going to be flipping about. Because God, we want to fight anything that is a threat we want to fight it with your truth. So will you just come come into our thoughts and replace um, any sort of lie or any sort of uh, bent uh, truth or whatever with the real truth. 